Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for downloading this Intelligence Squared podcast. For more information on our debates, talks and discussions, visit intelligencesquared.com and sign up to the newsletter. Hello, I'm Nick Gowing and welcome to Cadogan Hall in London for an Intelligence Squared debate. Stop poking the bear. The West needs to engage with Putin, not castigate him. Well, relations between the West and Russia are at their lowest ebb since the Soviet Union collapsed 23 years ago, and of course the end of the Cold War as well. Russia's swift annexation of Crimea from Ukraine led to the US and European Union uh, imposing sanctions on many of those closest to Vladimir Putin. And the Russian president is determined to create a new assertive Russia, Novorossiya. So are harsh words and sanctions designed to be punitive the way to get Putin's Russia to reconsider and back off? Or should there be smarter understanding of Putin's determination to restore Russian status and influence in the world? We have an excellent panel to debate these issues here in London. Arguing for the motion is Sir Tony Brenton, a former British ambassador to Russia, and Sergei Karaganov, a Russian foreign and economic affairs specialist and advisor to the Russian government. Arguing against the motion, Julia Yoffe of the New Republic magazine in Washington, born in Russia. Her experience is in Russian politics and society, your expertise there. And Edward Lucas, author of The New Cold War, senior editor at The Economist. Ladies and gentlemen, your panel of speakers tonight. Shortly, you'll hear from the four speakers, two for the motion, two against. I will then throw the debate open to you on the floor. And the audience has been polled before the debate. I'll give you those results after you've heard from our four speakers. The audience will then vote again at the end, and they will discover, we will all discover, how the debate has swung views or not. Now let's get the opening statements uh, from each of the four speakers. Speaking first for the motion, Sir Tony Brenton, British ambassador to Russia between 2004 and 2008. During his time there, he uh, monitored the Kremlin's reaction to the Orange Revolution in Ukraine and the Russian military operation uh, and uh, occupation of parts of Georgia. Ladies and gentlemen, Sir Tony Brenton. Thank you very much, Nick. Um, 
One of the great things about Russia is that in a political crisis like the one we're experiencing, what it does produce in quantity is mordant political jokes. So let me start off with one of those, which is President Putin sitting in the Kremlin, and an advisor comes up to him and says, Mr. President, those Americans are so stupid, even with all the present publicity, 64% of them cannot find Ukraine on the map. To which Mr. Putin replies, and very shortly none of them will be able to. (laughs) That's to help the opposition get get going in in this debate. Mr. Putin is indeed talking about Novorossiya and looking after Russian-speaking communities overseas, creating all sorts of fears amongst those who follow Russia here. And Edward, I saw um, in, in, a, in, a, in an interview at the beginning of the week, was asking, what next? They're going to turn off the gas, Moldova, Latvia. The bear is on the prowl again. Now, I'm sorry, but I'm afraid that position, that position is simply nonsense. And... Um, the motion that we're looking at today, inviting us to consider not castigating Putin but engaging with him, the slightly nicer um, uh, diplomatic term for castigating is containing, a wonderful Cold War term. So I'm going to say there are very good reasons why we should not try to contain Putin. It is unnecessary, it is unachievable, and if tried, it would be counterproductive. Let me take those three points in turn. First of all, it's unnecessary. You look at the issue of Crimea, annexed illegally, contrary to a lot of um, uh, commitments that Russia had given. It is unique in its history and in the justification which the Russians felt they had for doing what they did. As they saw it, the, uh, the Maidan revolution, all of that was a Western-concocted, Western-driven attempt to take over, after all, the country, Ukraine, which in many ways is closest to them. It was a unique case. It is not a case which threatens to happen again in Moldova or Latvia or any of those other splendid places. While the, the rather lazy British press has talked about the bear being on the prowl again, if you actually look at Russia, it's no longer a bear. Russia has about half of the population of the United States about one-eighth of the GDP of the United States, about one-tenth of the, of the defence spending of the United States. This isn't a bear. It's a smaller creature. It's a badger, something smaller. Now, it's a creature which, of course, has sharp claws. And that's Russia. It's not out there taking over the world. It's reacting to what it sees as a Western attack on it. So, containment is unnecessary. Containment is unachievable. At the same time as President Obama, in particular, but also Mr. Haig here, were talking about isolating Russia, Mr. Putin was in, was in um, Shanghai signing a really historic $400 billion gas agreement with China. The Chinese, but not only the Chinese, the Indians, the Brazilians, the major developing powers, who are countries which you would have expected to be deeply critical of the Russian action, because they are countries that do not like big countries taking pieces of other countries, have all remained carefully mute on what the Russians have been up to. It is a striking fact that even after all the rhetoric we've seen over the last two months, the French are still building two warships for Russia. So containment simply is unachievable. Um, And, you know, how can you contain a country which, by some measures, is very shortly going to be the largest economy in Europe and which provides Europe with 25% of its gas? Unachievable, unnecessary, and if tried, counterproductive. The impact of the current approach on the standing of the Putin's government, of the Putin government in, in, in Russia has been very striking. It's gone up from 60% to 80% popularity. 
You are looking at a Western approach which is pushing the, the wagons around the Russian people, where they're saying to themselves, our president is standing up against the evil, overweening West. We're with him. Is that what the result we want to achieve? That's the result we're currently creating by this attempt to isolate and contain. So, unnecessary, unachievable, counterproductive, the alternative approach has to be engagement. And that was working. As we engaged with Russia, the Russians got richer, the Russians became more involved, more linked with the West. Um, they were moving in our direction, as the big demonstrations in 2011-2012 demonstrated. We need to get back to that. So please vote for the, re the resolution. Thank you. Sir Tony Brenton, thank you very much indeed. I have to tell you, we're not changing uh, the motion to stop poking the badger. It is still stop poking the bear. Now, let's uh, hear the first voice against the motion, Julie Yoffe. Welcome, Russian-born senior editor on the American journal The New Republic. She's reported extensively from Russia, having been born there, and has recently been reporting on the ground from eastern Ukraine. Julia, the floor is yours. You know, this notion that we shouldn't poke the bear and we should just engage with it, it's a really nice and comforting one. Uh, it's the notion that if you don't poke the bear or the badger or whatever animal we decide on tonight, it just won't roar. Uh, the picture that my opponents are going to paint for you tonight is that what did we do to provoke this bear-badger? You know, it's, it's a backwards logic, especially because the bear itself is hiding behind this logic. It's, you know, it's licking the honey off its paws and saying, you know what, you're right. You guys made me do this. Let's quickly start with NATO expansion, which has uh, been the big boogeyman, that NATO expansion has antagonized Russia. And this is why it's taking parts of Ukraine. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, when was the last time that NATO expanded? When was the last time it took in a new member country? 2009. It was five years ago. Which countries did it accept into the alliance? Croatia and Albania. Do they share a border with Russia? No. Uh, are they in Russia's backyard? Not really. In its sphere of influence? Not really. Uh, EU expansion? You know, it's, it's notable that we've not been talking about Ukraine at all here as an actual country with 46 million people who may or may not want certain things. And as we've seen over the last months, they want different things inside the country. But just saying that you know, the West promised Russia that it wouldn't take Poland or the Baltic states in. I mean, who is, who is Russia and who, who is the West to decide the fates of these countries? And this anti-Western rhetoric and aggression inside Russia did not start in February when little green men appeared in Crimea. It didn't even start in November with that, when then Ukrainian President Viktor Yanukovych uh, did not backed away from signing an agreement with the EU. It started much, much earlier. It started in December 2011. That fall, Vladimir Putin announced that he was coming back for a third presidential term. And the four years under Dmitry Medvedev, four years of thaw and modernization, were all a joke, and they were over. Then, in December, his people uh, basically stole a parliamentary election, and Russians with smartphones captured this on, on, on their phones, shared it online with other Russians, and very soon, in fact, the next day, the resentment at being treated like idiots by their government, Russians spilled out into the street. 
And all of a sudden, Vladimir Putin was faced with 100,000, 150,000 Russians protesting not just corruption, not just uh, a stolen election, but against him personally. So searching for a culprit for these protests, he and his advisors settled on the U.S. State Department. Soon Russian state television was running so-called documentaries, saying that the State Department was actually funding all the protesters who had come out to protest against Putin, and they were paying them with money and sometimes with cookies. With cookies. At the same time, Vladimir Putin had a presidential election to win that March, and this became a very handy uh, campaign ploy. So you can either go with, the, with this fifth column, these pro-Western protesters who are paid for by the State Department, or you can go with me, Vladimir Putin, who is standing between you and the void, between you and a craven West that wants to invade you and humiliate you and carve you up and destroy you. And what we've seen in the last two years is this anti-Western, anti-American rhetoric climbed to a fever pitch. So yes, the West did play an important role in Russia's turn against the West, but it's not the actual West or anything the West actually did. It was this mythical West that exists in the minds of Russia's television producers and Kremlin advisors. Because what was happening in 2011-2012 between Russia and the West when all of this started happening? Things with Britain were getting a lot better. With the US, with the US they were absolutely peachy. We had a new START treaty that drastically reduced uh, nuclear armaments. Uh, we had a transit route uh, open up through Russian territory for the U.S. to supply its troops in Afghanistan. And yet, this, it was during this period that, the, that Russia turned against the West. So things just don't line up. Just because we engage with Russia doesn't mean they won't turn against the West. So the last point is, yes, we can engage with Russia, and by all means we should, but let's not, let's not overestimate ourselves and let's not underestimate the Russians. Thank you. The first voice against the motion, Julia Yoffe, thank you very much indeed. Now our second and final speaker for the motion, Sergei Karaganov from Moscow, a Russian uh, uh, economic and uh, foreign affairs uh, specialist, honorary chairman of the Presidium of the Council on Foreign and Defence Policy in Moscow. Sergei Karaganov. Uh, it is indeed a great pleasure to speak for the bear. He is the smartest, uh, the most vicious, uh, the bravest. And of course, he's clever. Uh, so I like the bear. And my educated advice, do not poke the bear. Uh, and of course, do not let us not fool ourselves when we are talking about uh, Vladimir Putin, we are talking about Russia. Uh, now uh, to the most serious points. Uh, the origins of the current crisis uh, lies in the fact uh, that the West has been around the pursuing uh, the Cold War for almost 25 years uh, since uh, the day uh, it was proclaimed finished. It was uh, relentless pursuing it by endless expansion of NATO against Russian arguments, pleas, and protests. Especially irritating for Russia were, of course, the Philistine 
statements and arguments that these expansion as well as the expansion of European Union are not against the Russian interests. That brought about, I mean, of course, a feeling of humiliation, but also uh, distrust. We tried to persuade. We offered to sign several times a new security treaty. We offered an idea of signing, of building up an alliance of Europe from Dublin or Brest to Vladivostok, uh, with an open space for people, uh, goods, um, uh, with the common rules. Uh, everything uh, has been rejected. Uh, indeed, an open wound uh, uh, remained in the center of Europe. The last time it was uh, the Ukrainian faction. Uh, to prevent things from getting worse, Russia was uh, Russia orchestrated in a very sophisticated uh, way uh, reunion of Crimea uh, with, the, with, with the mother country. Of course, people outside didn't like that. Let me remind you that the previous red line uh, was uh, drawn uh, when uh, Georgia, another uh, candidate for NATO membership, uh, attacked and killed Russian peacekeeper, UN peacekeepers uh, in, South Ossetia, uh, in South Ossetia with the full support of the West and NATO originally. Uh, we defeated uh, that aggression and hoped that we would stop the relentless expansion of the Western sphere of uh, influence. Where do we go from now? It is very clear. We will go from now even down. Europe will stay divided uh, with a crisis which will be sucking our energies uh, for decades while others will grow at our expense. Is there a way out? Mm. Uh, probably yes. One easy one. Uh, leaders of the West uh, write a collective letter congratulating Vladimir Putin. Uh, I mean, he did exactly what the West has been doing uh, over all of these years. He repeated the lessons of Yugoslavia, which was invaded and crushed, and Kosovo was torn away. We could, of course, go on like that. I'm not sure whether the Western leaders have the guts uh, to, to write such a letter, though it would have been a smart gesture. We should resume uh, talking and aim at uh, what I would call a grand alliance and uh, at a final uh, end of the Cold War. Let us think about finishing that ugly episode uh, in our history forever by, for example, signing a treaty of, for the Alliance of Europe, creating a uh, common economic, human, and energy space of all Europe, from Dublin uh, to Vladivostok, which will strengthen us all. Be magnanimous. The bear is a powerful animal. Thank you. Sergei Karaganov, thank you very much indeed. The second voice uh, for the motion, now the second voice against the motion, Edward Lucas, for over 20 years, foreign correspondent uh, based in Berlin, Prague, Vienna, uh, Moscow and the Baltic states. I should say that his book, uh, The New Cold War, uh, rang alarm bells about the likely threats Vladimir Putin posed both uh, 
for Russia and the West. Edward Lucas speaking against the motion. First of all, I just want to say I absolutely reject this premise that if you bash Putin, you bash Russia. Because Putin is the number one Russia basher. It's his regime which has misruled Russia for the last 15 years. It's his regime which has stolen tens of billions of dollars from the Russian people and laundered it here. It's an absolute fiction to say, as they used to say in Soviet areas, the General Secretary loves the nation and the nation loves the General Secretary. This is a regime which practices Olympic-style corruption, I mean Olympic-style corruption, which silences and bullies and jails and sometimes murders anyone who gets in the way of the, of, the, of the looting machine. And ladies and gentlemen, we tried engagement. We tried engagement in the 1990s and we poured billions of dollars into the Yeltsin regime to try and prop it, prop it up, which was a terrible, terrible mistake. And even after that, tens more billions of dollars coming the other way, being laundered in the great financial centres of the West. There are business class seats, ladies and gentlemen, on the Kremlin gravy train, and they're filled by our bankers who do these deals, by our lawyers who check them to make sure they look legal, by our accountants who cook the books, by the consultants who think up ever more ingenious schemes, by the PR people who try and make it look good. Talk about taking 30 silver rubles. That was engagement. I wish you'd had less of it. And NATO engaged. We set up the NATO-Russia Council where we allowed a nest of spies in the heart of NATO, all with NATO badges so they could walk in and out of meetings just to try and soothe the Russians from their sense of supposed insecurity. And we paid a huge price for that. We paid a price in our self-respect. We paid a price for our standing in Russia. And we paid a price in the terms of our allies' security. Because they warned us, the Estonians, the Latvians, the Lithuanians, the Poles, the Czechs, the Slovaks, they warned us about this. They are the people who understand Russia really well. They lived inside the Soviet Empire and under Soviet occupation. And they warned us, watch out for energy. Don't let Europe become dependent on Russian energy. They warned us that geopolitics is back. They warned us that the Kremlin doesn't like countries that have real elections, like the one we just had in Ukraine, where you didn't know at the beginning who was going to win. Now, I agree Ukraine's in a terrible mess. I would suggest that Russia's helped make it that way. I agree the Ukrainian elite has been abominable. But the point is the Ukrainian people tried to change it. They tried to do something that Russia absolutely hates, which is to have a sovereign choice about their country's future. And they looked at the European Union and they said, we want that. We want the liberty, the decency, the dignity, the legality, the choice. We want the things that you've got. That's why they died in blood-spattered European flags. And Russia didn't want to have that because they, Russia knows that a successful democratic Ukraine is an existential threat for the crony capitalist regime in the Kremlin. Our East European neighbours warned us that the Kremlin doesn't believe in win-win. The Kremlin likes win-lose with them winning and us losing. And so what did we say to the Estonians and Latvians and Lithuanians and Czechs and Poles, people like Václav Havel, these great moral giants who'd been imprisoned under communism and who warned us about this. I'll tell you what we did. We patronised them. We ignored them. We belittled them. We said that they were suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, that they didn't have the right sense of perspective. They didn't get the big picture. Russia's willing to do three things. It's willing to use force. 
It's willing to accept economic pain, and it's willing to lie relentlessly and shamelessly. What should we do in return? Let's let NATO be NATO and do its job and defend our East European allies. Let the EU be the EU and unleash its competition authority on the Gazprom. Treat Gazprom like Microsoft. Enforce our own laws here. Look at these companies with mysterious ownership and mysterious business, business practices um, which have become so immensely rich here. And let's not forget that in the end, this isn't just about the freedom of the Russians who are suffering under this autocratic, kleptocratic regime. It's about ours too. As the Russians said so memorably on Red Square in 1968, it's for your freedom and ours. Zavashu inashu svaboru. Edward Lucas, thank you very much indeed. Well, before I open the uh, floor to all of you, and uh, let's start moving the microphones around, please, let me just tell you uh, what you were thinking when you came into this debate. Uh, the result, uh, well, the views that you had at that point were 31% um, of you, one-third of you still don't know, 23% uh, were against the motion would have voted it down, and 46% were uh, needing to engage with Russia, as opposed to the tougher line we're hearing uh, from uh, those against the motion. So that is what still has to be argued over uh, from both sides. Let's hear uh, the views from the gentleman standing up in the middle at the moment. I'm surprised that we continue to speak of the annexation of Crimea. Uh, it seems that the vote that took place there, the referendum, is totally disregarded, despite the fact that the West says, oh, we're all for democracy and we respect the vote and the, the, the wish of the people. The media coverage that is, we have in this country, as well as in the West, of what's happened in Russia and what's happened in Ukraine is extraordinarily biased. Right. Uh, who has the microphone over here. Which way are you voting? I'm, I'm also voting for the motion. Um, Russia has always had a balance between is it a Western-looking power or an Eastern-looking power? And it's in our interest that it looks West, not East. Thank you. Who's got the microphone there, please? Yeah, my question to the proponents are um, how far do they think that the media is biased because and the sanctions are biased because um, of jealousy by the US and the EU over Russians' plan for Eurasian Union and ultimately a, a single currency. Right. Store that question. And uh, one more, please. Thank you. Uh, I was born in Ukraine. Could you, tell and us, I... could you tell us which way you'll vote? Against. Against Putin. From 18th of March, I became very against Putin. And when we all talk so calmly, whether to poke or not the bear, badger, it's unbelievable. Referendum in Crimea is absolutely out of any order. And good neighbors will never loot someone's house if country is weak. I would agree with Mr. Karaganov in only one point. Ukraine was and is probably in bad state. But it does not mean like you have to kick Ukraine as much as you want and bring tanks to Crimea and tomorrow go to Donetsk to create all this. Ukraine never invaded for 1,000 years. Right. Thank you. How you can talk like this? Thank you. We've got the but message. But now what Putin did, he absolutely destroyed every trust to Russia from my country from everyone else. Could yeah. you remove the microphone? Thank you. 
Sergei Karaganov, a direct challenge there from a Ukrainian about the rec- reputation of, of Russia and particularly what's happening in the Kremlin under President Putin. Uh, first of all, I mean, 1,000 years was our common history. Uh, most of this period, I mean, uh, uh, it was Russia. Um, uh, second, but of course I hope that Ukraine survives. I mean, I really hope. Uh, then, of course, about this negative uh, uh, reporting. I must say that this negative reporting and uh, the uh, caricature you have exactly have heard of, uh, contributed very much to the fate of Ukraine. Uh, the ad-like information in the Western press was total by uh, the time of the Olympics. And the Russian elite decided that, I mean, that a policy of containment is uh, being returned, so we'd rather strike first. So, so it is you. Ed. Ed. Second, Eurasian Union was, of course, one of the quite vegetarian notion. How do you we create an economic it? union when you're squandering the wealth of Russia at the moment? Of course, we're squandering a lot of our resources, and I'm very sad about that. And I'm sad about, uh, about uh, our, um, uh, um, uh, the fact that our uh, plutocrats are, uh, are exporting money, and that's why I agree with Ed that the West should do its best to stop that. And by the way, uh, what is done by the, some of the sanctions, I hope they will work, is exactly what Putin is calling. He wants to nationalize elites and to cut short their habit of sending money abroad. Even those who are close to him? Uh, even though, uh, by the way, those who are close to him have no money or else have taken the money back. And, that, and nobody has found any that. money. I'm sorry. Nobody has found any money of people who are close to him or his money, which were rumored, anywhere. All right. And Ed. that is a fact of life. I'm sorry. I'm, Ju- I'm in a very Ed. unusual position. I'm defending I mean, I mean, Putin's uh, yeah. friends. I'm not doing that in Russia. I'm, I'm trying sorry to get balance to in the argument. Yeah. Let me hear your, from the your, other side. Your economy, your economy is doing so great that it's now officially in a recession, having contracted for two quarters consecutively. As for the Eurasian Union, it was signed with Putin and two or three other people at the table. Uh, no, no other takers. So are, is the U.S. jealous? No. Edward. Um, I think I just want to come. There was an interesting point made about um, would Russia turn east? And my friend Andrei Piontkovsky put this very well when he said any alliance between Russia and China would be an alliance between a rabbit and a Birkenstricter, with Russia playing the role of the rabbit, just to add to the badger that we had earlier on. Um, so I do th- and, and I think it was astonishing that Putin arrived in Beijing to do this gas deal and basically gave the Chinese everything they wanted. It was the worst deal imaginable from a Russian point I'm of sorry, view. Absol- I'm you- sorry, but I don't know how you know that. I, I can t- the, the, well, facts, sorry, Tony, fact- hang on a moment. No, no, wait a moment. Well, I'm, just keep reading The Economist and you'll, you'll find out all these things are good. <laughs> um, but I, 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 just, I, I just also want to come back on a couple of points about Ukraine. Um, this point about the referendum, this is, this is delusional. And also, what about the Crimean Tatars, taken from their beds in the middle of the night in 1944? Half of them died. Hundreds of thousands of people taken from their beds. Half of them died within the first year. They come back to Crimea. Their only hope of justice is being within a democratic, law-governed law Ukraine. So, Tony Brenton, you took issue with Edward Lucas. Yes, I think... Of course, I will read The Economist, especially since they publish my letters these days. Um, but, yeah, but where do you get your data from? 
by reading all the rest of the press, who have been much less certain than Edward seems to feel able to be on this deal. Certainly there was argument about the price um, and about the terms, but the outcome in the majority of the press is that the Russians may have to, con- have to concede a bit, which I'm sure, sure is right, but have not settled for a disastrous deal at all. And the main point about this deal, apart from the immediate price, is that it creates a major new gas superhighway right across Siberia, which is only good, not only good for the next 10 years, but is a new bond between Russia and China. Now, okay, rabbit and burke and stricter, whatever you like. The fact is that there is a natural complementarity between those two economies. You have a vast natural resource-producing Russia on one side and a vast natural resource-hungry China on the other side. We, in, and there are other links, neither of them much like the West, Neither of them much like human rights. Neither of them much like our interventions on behalf of democracy. They have set up an organization, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, which is deliberately designed to exclude the US and to create a sort of unified approach to developments in Central Asia. Sorry, I'm going on too long. But the main point is we may sublimely tell ourselves that it ain't going to happen. It's happening. I want to get more views, particularly on the motion. Yes. Um, Which way are you voting, yes or no? uh, In favour. Yes, in favour of the motion. The West deals with all kinds of unpleasant regimes. Russia is closer in spirit to the West, and by alienating it, all all we're doing is pushing it further into very dangerous nationalism. And we have to think very carefully about what the alternative is to Putin before before we start launching into this kind of rhetoric. Thank you. Who's got the microphone up there? Please. Which way are you uh, voting? I'm leaning towards against. I just want to say, we've looked a lot in the past, but what are the future? Today is Russia, tomorrow is China, the tiger. How, do, how we deal with Russia today and how we poke with Russia today influence of how China responds to the West tomorrow. Thank you. One more voice from up at the back, please. And which way are you uh, wanting to vote? Um, I'm against the motion. Um, I must say I smile when I hear people talking about the biased media in the West um, um, vilifying Russia. If you want to see some really biased media, look at Russian state TV, where everyone who opposes Putin is denigrated as a Nazi, a Nazi sympathizer, a sexual, sexual degenerate, or a fifth columnist. One of the things that is really turning the bear into a frenzied and dangerous monster is its own media. Thank you. The gentleman here. Thank you. Um, for the motion, and uh, my just very quick question is uh, to those who are against, you know, you said that it's, Russia was engaged at the maximum level. How do, you de- how do you determine it was at the maximum level? D- did you not see more capacity to engage Russia? What about that challenge uh, to your position uh, against the motion? And, Edward, you wanted to jump in immediately, but the lady there who said, why vilify Russia? Because Russia is a threat to European security. Europe has built up... But are there other countries as well? But they're they're further away. I mean, we have lots of problems with lots of countries, but I'm worried about European security right now because we have an alliance um, called NATO where we are committed to defend NATO members. And Tony said with enormous confidence that um, this, was, this was going to stop in Ukraine. And I can't help rem- remembering that it was only a few months ago he said the idea that Russia would seize Crimea was dark fantasy. And if you look at what the, the, Russia is doing, it is waging economic warfare and waging information warfare against the Baltic states. And we've looked very weak in response. We are not prepared to accept economic pain. We are, we are not prepared to reinforce our allies. Julia. Um, and, and, and I think this sets a very worrying precedent. 
to the gentleman in the gallery, I'm not against engaging with Russia. What I'm saying is we have to keep in mind that Russia is its own animal. <laughs> and uh, it does things not only because we're doing things to them. Russia does things because of its own internal logic, because of its own internal processes. This turn against the West happened at a moment of great U.S. Uh, Russia cooperation, joint military exercises, allowing uh, U.S. military transport through Russian territory, Russians being the only ones to launch American uh, astronauts into space. I can go on. Uh, the point is that we were cooperating and Russia, for its own reasons, turned away. We can continue to engage in them, but we also have to keep in mind that it's not just – we're not the ones setting the tune here. We Second have to keep in mind what's happening in Russia as well. You have to think not only about Russia, but about yourself here in the West. Uh, Europe uh, is in a very, very difficult position. Uh, the European project is in crisis. Clearly, uh, years from now, Europe most probably will be weaker. Uh, so, and one of the reasons why we have this crisis is that some people in Europe wanted to create it, uh, this crisis uh, to divert attention uh, from the real problems we yeah, need. By the way, a lot of people in Russia, a few people in Russia, wanted also to create this crisis and an external threat from, quote, unquote, the West also to distract attention from the problems within the country. So we could, with this kind of a logic, we are doomed to be secondary or, in your case, tertiary. What about the voices we're hearing of those who want to vote against the motion, who are essentially saying we don't believe Russia? Well, we, I'm sorry, After all, President friends, Putin I, said he wouldn't we, go into we, Crimea. We, what happens next? After 20 years of our relations with our Western friends, and I'm not speaking about personal relations, <laughs> we do not trust the West. It is the result of the Western policies, I must say. So Tony but Brenton. again, let us think rationally. Can I... I mean, Edward makes a very interesting point, his charge that Russia is a security threat to us. And Sergei responds to it by saying, we, the Russians, view you as a security threat no, to no, us. No, 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 I didn't say that. Well, that's... OK. The Russians that I know do view... I, I don't want to exaggerate this, but if indeed Russia is a security threat to us, which I don't think is true, but if, if, if we view it as a security threat to us, and they undoubtedly, Russians I know, say, expanding NATO moving into places which are sacred to us, like Ukraine, Georgia, so on and so forth. You are undoubtedly trying to encircle us. We're in a situation with clear parallels to August 1914, which brings me back to my original argument. The way you diffuse this stuff is not by prodding the, whatever animal it is. It's by getting the temperature down, engaging at a peaceful level. So, so let, let, can we just be clear, clear? Tony Brenton? You thought there was no chance of an intervention uh, or an annexation of Crimea. Yes, uh, and and therefore, we're coming right. back to that question I just put to Sergei Karaganov. The credibility of the kind of assurances you get from someone like President Putin representing Russia today. I'm let sorry. me ask Tony Brenton. Uh, no, can I, can I, I, I mean, no, let me answer on, on behalf of President Putin. No, I, he said... <laughs> He said in 2008 at the Bucharest summit, he did indeed. and it was leaked, the NATO he said summit. that if NATO resumes its expansion and it was resuming, there will be no Ukraine. He said. That's it. Right. You know, Tony, Tony Brenton, the issue of Crimea, please. I, yes, I said that I can't speak on behalf of President Putin, but I did see quite a lot of him when I was ambassador. I 
judged him then as being a very risk-averse man, and I was astonished. But it wasn't only me, mercifully, so was the Foreign Office, the State Department, everybody was taken aback by the seizure of Crimea. And obviously, it is sensible to look again at Russia, that having happened. I just don't understand why are we ignoring the views of the people who've been comprehensively and systematically vindicated in their analysis and listening to the views of people who've been comprehensively and systematically wrong. The fact... The fact is, the fact is, Russia, Russia, Russia is a revisionist power. It regards the post-1991 security order in Europe as profoundly unfair. Rightly or wrongly, they don't like it. They want to change it, and it's in our vital national interest that they do not be allowed to do it. And that's why we have to resist it. Julia. I'm sorry. I, I just uh, have wait, a wait, wait, we are revisionist power. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. I'm sorry. Julia has been waiting I'm to sorry. speak. I'm sorry. And the lady there. I, I just have a question for Sir Tony Breton. What... Uh, you've been talking a lot about engaging with Russia, about lowering the temperature. Name at least, you know, name three steps about what we can do that Russia would accept and agree to lower the temperature as well. Tell us what you would do. If you had that kind of ear being uh, in well, the I don't Kremlin. understand in the way of question, but okay, my answer is we do a deal on, the, on, on Ukraine. The Russians have been very clear what they want on Ukraine. It's got nothing to do with democracy or any of that. They want... Wait, wait, some, what's the deal? Please let, me finish. The deal? please let me respond to your question. They want some sort of guarantee that Ukraine will not join NATO, and they want some sort of protection, autonomy, federalization, whatever you call it, for the Russian-speaking populations. And I've been saying for the last three months that I cannot understand why the West couldn't do this deal way back then and save an awful lot of bloodshed can I, since. Can I ask if the Ukrainians themselves have any say in this, or, is this, or are they to be carved yes. up between and, the U.S. and uh, Russia? Are there, are the policies of the West of this roundless expansion of NATO, and even sometimes European Union, against uh, the will of the most potent player in, the, in, the, in Europe, that's Russia, was leading to war. And what Russia did is it created another firewall, and I hope this time it will work. Let's hear more views. There's a gentleman there. I have two questions. I'm against the motion. For those for the motion, surely engaging means keeping to rules, agreeing rules. What rules do you think would be acceptable to uh, Putin? To those against the motion, what do you suggest is the alternative to engaging? All right, what are the rules? Keep that for the moment. I'm going to the gentleman there, and then there's someone at the back. I'm voting against the motion. And uh, if uh, helping Russia's border states is seen as poking the bear, how can we not poke the bear if Russia is to apply completely different rules to separatists, to its neighbours, as it does to itself? Grozny was raised to the ground not 15 years ago, uh, yet if we are seen to be helping countries with an arrogant Russian minority, then we're seen as poking the bear. How can we not help them? Right. Each, each of you will be able to pick this up in a moment. The, the lady here. I was, I was undecided, and I'm beginning to be, um, be to sway of, against the motion. Well, you've got two minutes, so you need to think yes. quickly. Um, Ser <laughs> Sergei tells us that Russia is mistrusting the West, and I think this herein lies the problem. I think the West has trusted Russia too much. They are now being supplied with their gas to some 60%. So if they hadn't trusted Russia, they wouldn't have done that. Right, I think thank you. One more, one more view, please. Who's got the microphone further back? I, I was for the motion. I've been swinging backwards and forwards. Which way uh, are you swinging at the moment? 
I'll, 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 uh, I'm not sure. Your secret but, is safe with us. But I have a question. I have a question, a very simple one. Look, uh, Tony Brenton, could you be more clear? Now, do you agree with uh, Edward Lucas that, that Russia is trying to destabilize the Baltics? All right, thank you. Very briefly there, to any there, of those there, there are a couple of quick points which I think are made. Mm -hmm. On the Baltics, no, they're not. And um, one reason why Russia is not a threat to us in Europe is, of course, because the Baltics are members of NATO. Um, and we have that protection. There was a very interesting point made over here, and it, it cuts to the nub, in a way, of the problem of handling Russia, which is that Russia's immediate neighbours, Russia views itself as having an interest in what happens in them domestically, and do we, as civilised people, let big states bully small states? And that's a very fair question about the international system. And our instinctive reaction, I think, is no. In a civilised world that we live in, that, sh that sort of thing shouldn't happen. But the brutal fact is that the civilised world that we think we've been living in is a world which has been run, in effect, by the West. And that world is fading away. Right. So Julia. Um, we've been talking again a lot about engaging with Russia, but what I haven't heard any of you ask is what we do when Russia, Russia stops engaging back with us. So what's the answer when to the question you're putting? I mean, the, the answer is, so far, has been punishment for uh, breaking international norms. Putin, them, Putin himself has said that sanctions have worked, that they have uh, severely restricted access uh, to money uh, for Russian companies abroad, and he's immediately walked the line back. Right. At that point, I'm going to just pause and read something. Um, now we have the vote and the result of the vote. Now, let me remind you that 31% um, of you uh, hadn't made up your minds, and 23% uh, of you were against it, and 46% were for the idea of engaging with Putin, not castigating him. Well... Almost everyone has now made up their minds. Only 3% decided you hadn't made up your minds. But I have to tell you, there's been an extraordinary shift. For um, engagement, 43% against 54%. Yeah. So, for whatever part of the discussion gripped you, there has been a dramatic swing from those uh, who were thinking they would support the motion to those convinced by the argument on my left by those against the motion. In other words, that there should not be uh, engagement with Putin. I don't know who's watching this or listening to it or monitoring it anywhere at the Russian embassy or elsewhere, but certainly that's the view of you here in Cadogan Hall uh, in London, having seen that shift. Our thanks to the speakers, both for the motion uh, and against the motion. Uh, my thanks to Intelligence Squared for uh, making this possible. And uh, later this month, there will be uh, another debate on whether Queen Elizabeth II should remain the sovereign of Australia. It'll come from Australia. But uh, from us here in the Cadogan Hall in London, thank you all very much indeed. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. You can download more Intelligence Square podcasts free on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you'd like to find out more about our events, sign up to our newsletter at intelligencesquared.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter.